Welcome back to another episode of the RAG Report podcast, my daily bulletin show where I bring to you recruiters, advisors, suppliers, and investors to the, the global recruitment industry who prepare to give up their time to give us their intakes, their experiences um, on how we can all tackle COVID-19 together and come out thriving. Today, I'm super excited to be joined by Anne Swain. For those of you that don't know, Anne is the founder and CEO of AppsCo an international trade body that represents the professional recruitment sector around the world. I've seen Anne at numerous events. Um, She releases a daily bulletin herself called the Bite Size Bulletin via email, which has got some unbelievable resources and and information in there. Um, And I I felt like if anyone could give us a real take on what's going on in the market today, then Anne would be the right person. Before I do get into this conversation, I want to just have a message from our sponsor, Rise Recruitment Ventures. Rise headed up by John Coxon and Alex Elliott, our recruitment investment business who are helping recruiters today come through the COVID-19 pandemic. Having built and sold a recruitment business in 10 years for over 20 million, these guys are not only offering capital, but experience to help the best new startup recruiters and those in the early stages of growth really capitalize on this pandemic and come through the bounce stronger. They are actively talking to new possible investments today. So if you're sat there in your recruitment business thinking, I'm not sure how we're going to get through this, or you've recently left or planning to leave and want to start a new recruitment organization, then get in touch with these guys today. That's www.riserv.co.uk. Alex and John and their team will get back to you and run you through the process. Let's get back to the episode. And welcome to the RAG Report. Thank you. It's lovely to have you on. Absolutely delighted. Um, I've, I don't think we've ever actually spoken directly before, but I've seen you at so many events. I, uh, I've, I've been wondering since the start of this, right, we'll get Anne on at some point and see what's going on. And then I've been keeping an eye on your content and it's been, it's been keeping me going, which is great. So um, first question, Anne, I've asked everyone so far and we're 30 odd episodes in, what the hell is your life like right now? Paint the picture. Um, it's been really busy. To be honest, so if, if I look at it, what, what AppSco did at the very beginning of this, when I sent my staff home on the 17th of March, what I said to them is, I want um, two things to come out the other side of this. And that was one that our members were grateful that they were AppSco members because they thought we had a great service. And the second thing was I wanted anybody who wasn't a member to be impressed with what we were doing to support our members. And so consequently, we simply ramped up from day one to make sure that instead of a weekly bulletin, it was a daily bulletin, a ton of information, a a huge number of pieces of information on the resource hub available for for all our members and anyone who rings in that needs anything, they can have it. And so we've really ramped up the action. And so my days have been spent with back-to-back meetings. Remember, AppsCo is in Australia, so that means meetings start pretty early, mm-hmm. and which is pretty late in uh, Sydney or in Melbourne or actually wherever we're called to Perth. Sometimes as well, less of a problem there. Um, and then in Germany, before I get to the UK, we've got Singapore as well. Not so much happening in Singapore, actually. It's sort of mm-hmm. a different scenario there. But AppsCo, because of its locations all over the place, means I start early. And then it's about keeping our staff together as a group and making sure we're delivering the service. And so we really are, and we're getting great feedback. What that's meant is my days have been quite full. So often by the end of the day, I'm like totally knackered. And I have to say, I haven't thought that much about the fact there's a a COVID-19 crisis. Sounds awful. And, but by about five o'clock, 
just when there's a minister giving us some news, because we write the bulletin after that, save it till the morning before it goes out. That's a kind of useful part of the day. And so I tend to watch that five o'clock bit of news, communicate with the team about what's going out the following day and whatever. More often than not, I need to admit, having a nice gin and tonic at that stage. Really? And, you know, I went, yeah, I've gone through years of not really drinking during the week unless there's a particular reason to. But it seems that with this sort of scenario going on, it's felt most regularly that there has been a need for a gin and tonic. And it's been that <laughs> sort of break in the day. I don't are know. Are we talking it's... about just one or are we talking about a few? Well, to be honest, it's just one because I can't let myself go beyond that. I'd love to, but yeah. I kind of don't. But my husband and I both have a gin and tonic. Uh, most days and then sort out what we're doing the following day and then there are calls and whatever and then it's you know what we're doing going for that walk but I have to say there are some times that we miss out on having a walk we've got loads of daughters seven only one of whom is still at home and she's 15 so I always tease that she was socially distancing from the age of about 13 yeah. and quite likes a room and being online doing god knows what so um, she should have been doing GCSEs sort of nowish. Oh, yeah. And so she's, uh, she's got the top floor. I've got the sort of middle floor. My husband's on the ground floor. So there's three of us. And we try and do that walk thing. We have lunch, you know, bits and pieces kind of scenario. Try and do the walk thing, which we don't always get around to doing. And I'm really impressed by people say they cycle a zillion miles or do a whole load of Joe Wicks exercise in the morning, but sod it, I don't get around to doing most of that. And so if we do then have a walk, come back and eat. And I think there are times when I really aren't noticing. I thought I'd feel really miserable, stuck in, I'm quite sociable. But I don't think I've noticed it as much as I as people are talking about. So we, adapt. we adapt, don't we? I think, I, I mean, I love what you've said there, because I, I guess, we're both, I mean, we're not in the same position, but we're both dealing with lots of recruiters, lots of recruitment owners as clients and members and all sorts. So the days do go faster than ever. Like I, I literally blink from the minute I'm, I wake up at quarter to six every day now and I get my exercise done and all the stuff done. And then I have a bit of time before the day starts to kick in from about 8.39. And then I blink and it's six o'clock pretty much every day. And I'm just like, I'm, I'm grateful of that. Because there's, there's got to be people out there that aren't working. They're on furlough. There's, there's you know, their, their brains are going in overdrive. They're thinking all day about the news. And I, I haven't got time to do that. But um, so I'm really grateful for that. Well, t- take us back. What was it like in the first couple of weeks when it, when it hit hard and we went into lockdown for you specifically? What sort of conversations were you having on a day-to-day at that point? Look, I think that from, from the recruitment point of view, there was a bit of panic, really, and I get that. So it's slightly akin to buying a lot of toilet rolls. I think recruitment companies wanted to apply for every loan. Of course, couldn't get access to any bloody money then. But we're applying for everything, wanting to do this. Some people followed everybody on day, you know, as soon as they could, really. I, I don't want to exaggerate it. Others didn't do any of that. And I think it's changing. It's calmed down. We certainly saw the business drop off a cliff in the recruitment market especially perm um from day one because i think the clients were doing the same and i think that's picked back up so in the very early days most of my day was spent speaking to bays about legislation talking about the furlough scheme talking 
weirdly getting calls from number 10 Downing Street actually to ask for advice on different things from Axco and looking at how everything was going to work and so in the early stages I would say that I was heavily involved from a political point of view and policy point of view and not only me my team you know I've got a team that are involved in that as well but that was the big ticket as more decisions were made that backed off but of course those decisions were being made and we needed to communicate out to our members so they knew what to do. So it was a lot of broadcast in some ways yeah. for our members. It was a lot of putting out webinars, doing all the stuff, broadcasting what's going on, how to make it work, how to get access to money, how to follow your staff, what you can do, what you can't do, all, all of that stuff. And I think it, that's changed actually. So I think that's changed to getting involved in discussions, asking members how they're feeling. Our account management team have never worked so hard as well to make sure that we're communicating, make sure members know what's there for them to have access to. And we've got loads of things called In The Frames, which are small groups of 20, 25 people discussing a topic and what's happening to them. So we've changed the sort of services that we're providing because the view of the market's changing or the position that everybody was in has changed. And so it's, it's evolved, really, evolved pretty quickly, you know, from, from broadcasting and making sure everyone was okay and they knew what was going on to supporting people in different ways. So how, and, how have you seen people adapt in the last four weeks? Where I think, I think there was a clear protection mode moment, like you said, yeah. how much money can we can we protect how many people can we furlough all of that and i noticed that that died down a couple of weeks ago and then yeah. been, i feel like i mean with a marketing focus i feel like a lot of the things i've been talking about on to, to have an online presence is now everyone's been saying well you know we need to get online we need to run webinars we need to have a personal brand with all these things that people weren't necessarily focusing on have, have, have been i've no that's the thing i'm focused on right? that's what i'm noticing what how have you what sort of decisions or movements a recruitment agency has been making in the last month beyond protection mode i think so so it's absolutely that protection mode was absolutely where it was at, at the beginning cash always is king but boy did it help in the early days and i think what's happening now then it calmed down then it was business and how do we organize our team and what are we looking at doing with with them and then i think it's gotten to the stage now where people are stepping back and planning beyond how do we get the team back how's that going to work what does our what does what does 2020 look like what's 2021 going to look like and planning further ahead and so i think there's more of a planning stage i think people are more calm and we've got some members that think you know, the world as we know it is pretty much ended and others are looking at this as a blip. And I think that probably the real you know, answer to this is going to be somewhere in between. And that will depend on what market you're in and the way you're structured. So we've got, you know, one of our members was speaking with me on a, on a question time scenario that we do. And um, we had two different members, one of whom had furloughed 70 odd percent of their staff and someone else whom all of their staff had worked from home always and therefore they didn't really see any difference they were making more calls to customers communicating about more contract it was a contract business contract requirements than they ever had so i think this thing has not affected everyone the same and they certainly haven't uh, responded in the same way i think over the time frame 
this is now a planning stage. And I'll tell you what is interesting. We're finding a lot of members, and one of my staff mentioned it this morning, I have a, a staff meeting on a Monday morning for everybody. And uh, one of my staff said this morning that they're finding that where a lot of individuals are, are kind of painting their kitchen or decorating their bathroom or you know, doing a spring clean or whatever, that a lot of the recruitment businesses have come back, they've got into whatever is the new normal for them for this stage and it means they're looking up doing the jobs they haven't done for a period of time wanted to so we've got a number of new members coming into AppsGo from people that says look I've been meaning to join I just haven't gotten around to it and um, and also people wanting to join because they want to be in our lifeboat I suppose yeah. but I do think businesses are calmer I think they're looking at the future I think there will be a lot of individual consultants that maybe have been furloughed that are using that time to look at how they start their own business because they always wanted to and they might think at the end of this is the time to do it and they've got some time on their hands if they've been furloughed to, to start planning that so that's the change there's the panic there's the calming down and then there's the acceptance of what the new reality is at the moment before there becomes the new reality of how we really get back to work. So that's what my next question was going to be about. And so you obviously are privy to this probably conversation that I, I'm not in terms of politically uh, what's going on. Um, what's your take on the restrictions being eased next week and potentially how we might move, our recruitment agencies might get back to work, never mind the rest of the economy? Look, I've got opinions, but I'm not sure they're based on anything stronger that, that you've got, really, uh, because I'm not sure the government know exactly what they want to do yet. They're waiting to see what the numbers are. They're waiting for the right time. And it's a difficult time frame. It's a difficult decision-making scenario. If they talk about easing restrictions, people, some people are going to get out of the house now and have a party. If they start the Premier League soon, some people are going to go in the park and all play football because if they're seeing professional footballers do it, why wouldn't they? Will be an attitude. And so I think the government are just weighing up when they do it. I think we are going to be told shortly um, about how, how things will be lifted. Yeah. But I don't know what that time frame is. And I'm not sure that Boris Johnson knows what that time frame is at the minute either. It's going to be really related to what information they get from the figures not of death so much but the figures of of people getting COVID-19 because the deaths you know are happening from people that got it weeks ago yeah yeah it's all and right. so you know there's too much of a time delay with regard to that so are they planning how we come out of it without question as in every business is planning how to come out of it do they know exactly the time frame no I don't believe they do um, we came into this a bit later than a lot of the European countries and therefore we can look at what they're doing or look at how preferably not to come out too quickly and then get locked down all over again. I think it will definitely be staggered. I suspect, I don't know for sure, but I suspect they'll open up certain industries before professions actually. So where factories have been closed, manufacturing market obviously decimated, where the government feel that that can work in a, a healthy enough with, with some kind of distancing scenario, I think those are things that they're going to open up first because you can't do that from home. Where you've got businesses that people can work from home, I think they would rather stay at home for longer. 
I look in London and look from the APSCO office, we've been working out how we can bring our people back. But if I look at the APSCO office, it's not the problem for me. Even if I bring people in one week, half them, one week, half the next week, or half early week, half late week, or whatever it is, is getting to the office, it's going to become a problem. Yeah. Because public transport, particularly in London, but you know, around most big cities, is a nightmare. And so where the researchers said only 15% of people using the, the tube in London is where it needs to be, I mean, it's just a nonsense. How's that ever going to happen, even if 50% of your workers are, are not there? So we're, we're looking at having more people working at home for a longer period of time. Yeah, what's your viewpoint on, I've asked this question quite a lot, on, on how the recruitment industry is going to change in terms of the way they operate. Um, obviously, you know, there are in, there are agencies out there that have operated on a remote or semi-remote basis, but they are the they are definitely the, the exception, right? Um, so how do you this this model of bringing in juniors, growing organically, growing like grow, defining your status by headcount growth and size of office, and I mean it's always been the way. There's going to be a lot of people who thought this was definitely not for them, and now you know they've, they've, they've had a taste of they've been forced into a new world how do you feel they're going to come back do you think it will go back to normal or do you think the agent the industry the agencies that we work with will learn to adapt and, and hold on to some of that i think look i think whenever you have a big jolt like this things move around and i think there's some positives that can come out of this and i think that kind of presentism yeah presenteeism where you expect someone to be in the office at 8 30 as long as you can see them at your desk you think they're achieving something that's been in the market forever from when i even came to the market as a graduate trainee for heaven's sake and so i but i do think there's an opportunity for that to change and i think that people will be more focused a lot of them are now but more focused on activities that are bringing in results rather than making sure somebody's sitting at a desk. I think that a lot of people, not all people in the equipment market, have a, a distrust of whether somebody's actually doing anything when they're at home. And yet, if you look at the recruitment market, it's bloody obvious whether somebody's actually working or not, more obvious than most markets. And so consequently, it could be an easier thing to have more people working from home. Um, I think that becomes more difficult if you're taking in trainees because if you take in inexperienced trainees they will learn through training okay through formal training in whatever uh, method that's being delivered but they also learn a bit through osmosis of the person they're sitting next to if your company has a strong culture and every company thinks they've got a strong culture but if they really do that culture is not only driven from the top it, it's backed up by people in the office doing the stuff in the way that the culture suggests is the way to do it. And so consequently doing all of that and achieving those things from new trainees, having that strong culture becomes more difficult, not you know something that you cannot possibly do but boy it's a lot more difficult so it may be let's see that more companies have more people working away if you look at the big banks they've been having an environment where people are sharing desks for years actually the idea of hot desk in the bank was, was being talked about but nowadays people that work in the big banks are often told they can only have a desk in the building three or four days a week yeah. And that they have to spend some time out. And that just doesn't have their little teddy bears or 
whatever sitting on it. It's a desk that's used by lots of other people that don't want the bloody teddy bears or family photos. And so maybe the recruitment market has that kind of opportunity. There are benefits to that. There are benefits because a lot of the staff, especially the young ones, quite like that environment. There are benefits because it means you can afford smaller offices, which is a cheaper hit for everybody. Um, but then it needs to be managed differently. So I think that the good companies that have the right management team that have learned how to manage and be a bit more trusting of people working at home are going to capitalize on this as a learning experience and broaden what they do. Yeah, agreed. What do you think recruiters need or recruitment agency owners need to look out for in the next few months? What do they need to be? Because I'm getting the vibe, some are, are pretty chilled now. It's like, you know, they feel like this news coming out next week is, is it's all going back to normal. Uh, maybe not from a, a pure health perspective, but, the, you know, it's just going to be one gradual rise back to where we were. What's your take on what they need to be really thinking about? Well, I'll tell you what I would say, first of all, with regard to that rise. Some people were saying they thought it was going to be a V, drop off a cliff and come back straight away. I've also heard quite a lot about the sort of Nike logo. So it comes down and goes up, but a bit less steep. Personally, I think it's going to be a bit of a drop, like one of those really old-fashioned leather footballs that got very wet on a winter's day. And it dropped and it really didn't bounce very high at all, rather than like one of the more modern balls that you, you take a penalty and you sky it. Yeah. So I think that there, there's going to be a comeback. Again, market sectors are different. I think the comeback for perm is going to be slower than it will for contract. Contract's always a quick bellwether, really, for the whole of the market. So I think contract will come back quicker. I think perm will be much slower because I think the clients that we service are going to be looking at their own infrastructure, whether they can have people working from home or less staff or maybe more aligned on an agile workforce that they don't need to look at redundancies, they don't need to look at the way they manage them, but if they have an agile workforce like a contract base, um, then they don't need to worry so much about that. And so I think that contract will come back. I think that, as it always does, but I think perm will be slower to come back. And that will be, how slow would be dependent on which market you're in, as it always is, mm. as it always is. How, what what I think as well is that, you know, this whole furloughed workforce could could end up just being, well, there's a very good chance there'll be a, a huge round of redundancies when the furlough ends. Um, yeah. What's your take on how long the government will actually support the, with, uh, support businesses with furlough? How long will they keep that going? Is it, is it a kind of, do you think there's a set time frame when the Treasury will say, look, we can't keep doing this, or are they going to keep rolling and rolling and rolling until they need to? I think, again, I think it's somewhere between the two. Do I think there's a set time frame? Not yet. I think they'd like there to be. Again, they've got to see how people can get back to work and when. So I think that depends on the infection rate again and on the R number, all of that kind of stuff. I don't think, I don't know for sure, but I don't think furlough is going to drop off a cliff either. So I don't think at the end of the Ju uh, June there's going to be, that's it nothing else i think it will stay on for certain sectors i think pretty obviously hospitality and travel need furlough more than any other sector and i think there is an opportunity for it to continue maybe on either in specific sectors or and or 
um, at a lower rate. So Nirvana for a lot of companies actually would be if you could furlough people for 50% of the time so that you could have a, a workforce that's part-time until they could come up to have full-time amount of work. And I think that would be Nirvana. I don't know if the government would do it, but I certainly don't think that, that furlough is going to drop off the end of a cliff at the end of June for everybody. No, I think it will. Some sectors and some people within sectors, whatever else it may be, will have that opportunity for following for longer. Otherwise, all the government have done has delayed the redundancy scenario. But I'll tell you another thing that, that maybe most of your listeners haven't even thought about. I think in recruitment companies, there are months worth of people that came into recruitment or came to a specific business having already been in recruitment that weren't blissfully happy in that company or in that job or in our industry. Yeah. And, but of course, in the last few months, nobody's leaving any more, anything. No. And so I think, because why would they? So I think there will be quite a big lot of movement at some stage soon enough when it gets into getting back to the office. The minute somebody feels there's a potential for them to get a new job, if they're in one that they haven't liked for months but haven't been able to leave, they'll make a move and either to set their own business up or to move somewhere else. So I think there's going to be a huge drop off of people that you know aren't in their business for much longer any longer and i think that there will be quite a lot of movement of consultants to and frying i do agree with that i think there'll be a couple of reasons like you, like you just said if you weren't necessarily happy anyway and you've had a big break the, the the mindset to get back into things when the market's recovering it's slow um will be tricky also i think the way that your business responds to this and how they want to bounce back will, will affect it. So if, let's just say, I mean, I've said it on a few episodes. Let's say you're, you know, you've got a young family, early mid thirties, and you've, you know, you've got really used to being at home, whether you've worked from home or been furloughed. And then, you know, you've realized you spend more time with your young family, you know, you're exercising more, you're still productive. And then the boss says, right, well, now you need to get on a train for an hour and a half back into London at, from 6am every day or whatever. I just think there's loads of people that are going to say no. Like, I just, I just don't want to do it. I said, I put a status on LinkedIn last week about choice. I think I've really enjoyed parts of lockdown, but the thing that I don't like is the choice that, that's lacking. Like, I, don't, I don't even, I never went to London at the weekend. I live on the end of the central line and I never bothered going in really. But the fact that I can't, I'm craving it. <laughs> and, and I think it's the same with going to work five days a week. It'll be, I don't think anyone necessarily thought too much about it, but now they've not had it. If you say to someone, you have to come in five days, again, you're taking away choice. So choice is that thing we're craving right now. We just want to have a little bit of choice back. So the businesses that allow the flexibility somehow and give their, keep that trust, like you just said, like if they've, if they've been able to build that trusting uh, ability to, to get the job done, why would you take that away? Why would you go back to old ways? I just, I don't and, but I also think, Sean, that there are some companies that have made the wrong decisions of the way they dealt with this crisis. Mm. Some companies have not treated their staff very well. Some companies have gone to suppliers and behaved inappropriately. Some suppliers have behaved inappropriately. And I said again to my staff that we absolutely have a brand and that I want us to have a great brand coming out of this, that we've treated everybody with more service than they ever expected. We've gotten back to them more quickly than they ever 
dreamt of, that we've treated our suppliers appropriately, and that we've come out of this with a brand of AppsGo, and, and hopefully each company as member or, or not member have their own pride in the way they have behaved. So we furloughed some of our staff, but really it was people that their job at that moment in time was never gonna work. Mm. We've communicated them with every day. We've, you know, we've communicated, they've done no work because they're not allowed to and that's fair enough. But I made sure I sent presents out to everybody actually saying that I miss them all because I did miss them actually. And whether we sent just eat vouchers, they could have dinner on us and things like that. That haven't been difficult to do, although getting the just eat for 30 odd people is a pain in the bum to be honest. But anyway, we, we've managed it and we've been having our WhatsApp groups and all of that, which means that when the time comes for everybody to be back, we still feel a team. Yeah. And I'm not sure every company have thought about managing their staff and looking after their staff as well as some have done. And so I am not from AppsGo not going to lose any staff. No need to do that and no, definitely no desire. We've got a team of people. I don't want to lose anybody in that team. And they know it. So they've all, even new people in the team, they felt secure. They know what's going on. We've communicated absolutely everything. And therefore, I'm looking forward to, and from the communication that I get from my team, they're really excited for us all to be together again. I'm not sure every company out there can say the same of their team. No, no. And I think that it's in these kind of situations, you have moments of truth, don't you, about how you behave as an individual or a manager or a leader or whatever, and, um, or as a staff member, you know, how you behave then, and therefore, hopefully, how people will respond to you as this moves on. And I think there are a lot of companies that need to query their behaviour, actually, to their staff, to their suppliers, to everybody else out there. Yeah, I'd say I'd say I completely agree. I mean, on the whole, our our clients have been amazing. They've been so supportive, and you know, we had the initial conversations around what we can do to help, and you know, costs and all sorts of things with a lot of them. But all of, I guess, it's the type of businesses we work with. They're very progressive in their mindset. They've already invested in marketing and brand and comms, and um, so they've they've took most of them have taken this to be an opportunity. Like one of our clients is now running a weekly webinar, which is getting over a thousand candidates on there now every week i mean they, they we knew their brand was strong but actually covid19 has shown us how powerful their brand is because all of their market is just drawn to them to, to the and sometimes it's not even like there's no big big guests or anything it's their brand just talking about support things of things in their sector and it's been it's been amazing to see um and before i go or before we go what well, i mean Tell us a bit more about why someone should join AppsGo. I mean, I, 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 know of the, I know of AppsGo, but a lot of my listeners are going to be that really early stage startup organizations. So they might be a year or two in. Um, some will have had support from people like yourself and others won't. So tell us, why would they look, look at reaching out to you guys now and what benefits would they get? Wow. I mean, that definitely sounds like a sales opportunity to me. So thank you. I didn't expect that. Look, the reality is in times of trouble, it's useful to have a lifeboat, but in times of growth, it's useful to have someone to lean on 
that knows this market like the back of their hand to work out the right way to grow. And Absco has been going for 20 years. We set up specifically in the professional market and then expanded to be international. As I said, we've got offices in different places around the world with a view we know that in the professional markets, people don't open branches in the UK. They go into new sectors, new specializations, new niches. And so we are across that, that professional space and actually such a high percentage of my staff will come from the recruitment market so we know it it's in our dna is what we say and what we look to do is being the voice of the professional market to support the professional market from a business point of view in everything they do and support that quality and then help our members market themselves by being high quality and delivering the services that the customers and their candidates need and so consequently, it's a coming together of like minds with APSCO. Plus for anyone who's starting up, I mean, all of the T's and the C's and the contracts and all of that stuff saves a fortune. And ours are best of breed. We've spent fortunes on doing that. The legal helpline, the financial helplines, tax helpline, the insurance helplines, all these different helplines we've got that help staff. And of course, we're, we're pretty high touch. So before all of this, we had 130 member meetings in the UK a year. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty high touch. And therefore, there are subjects people don't need to come to everything, but they can come to whatever they want to do and learn and, and discuss with other members, some of whom have got a bigger business or a smaller business, what to do differently or what to carry on doing in the same way. And so consequently, it's a real community, the APSCO thing. People wear badges, actually, actually, and you can go out there and meet other APSCO people, and it's just an easy thing to do. And so consequently, I think people say, it's easy for me to say why they should join. I think why people join is a different reason for why they stay, funnily enough. Mm. So people join often because they want the legal helpline, um, or they join because they want the T's and C's if it's a small business, if it's a big business, it's because they want to be involved in the lobbying scenario to dictate some of what's going on future-wise. Why do they stay? They stay because they feel that they can get everything they need from being an APSCO member and that the APSCO staff will give them anything they need to help them out. And so it's, yeah, where high touch, it's kind of different to any other trade body. Last year, yeah, I'm talking, you're talking 2.5 2 sessions a week being run across the country. I mean, that's a, that's a hell of a lot. Um, and, and if someone does want to reach out, is it who's the best person they should contact? Well, if they just come to apsco.org, to the website, or speak to rena.durban, D-U-R-B-A-N, Durban, at apsco.org, She'll help them out, or they can send me an e email and swain at apsco.org. Of course, we'll help them out. Um, and even if they're not a member and they're concerned about certain things, and we've got stuff that can help them, why don't they just email us? We'll help them out. It's not an issue. Wicked. Well, look, and thank you so much for giving up your time today. Hopefully, um, I've, I've, you know, we've enjoyed, I've, I've enjoyed it anyway. Hopefully, you've enjoyed it, and you know, you've, you've just, you're almost at the point where your gin and tonics being poured. So you've got about an hour and fifteen. You've got an hour and fifteen minutes till you can. Ooh, I need to wait, Sean. I need to wait till yeah, five I'd, on the dot. I'd start chopping the cucumbers net in the next fifteen. Minutes. Get, get <laughs> no, no, I'm a definite lemon lime person. Really? Oh, my wife would disagree. My wife would disagree. Um, well, look, hopefully, um. You know, hopefully people do reach out. I'll tag you in, in all the content that goes out with this episode and, and people ask for help. Um, but thank you so much. I really, I know on behalf of, the, of my listeners, they'll, they'll appreciate it. And guys, thank you so much for listening to another episode of The Rag Report. 
Um, as I always say at the end of the show, please do, um, I don't ask for any money. I ask for you to do one thing, which is share this episode with someone who you think would need it. So whether it's a colleague, a friend, a boss, even a competitor, get that out via WhatsApp, text, email, or LinkedIn and share to people because together we will get through this. We'll be stronger. Uh, I'll be back again tomorrow with another story from another senior person across the industry. In the meantime, stay safe. I'll see you soon. This podcast is brought to you by Hoxo Media. We are the world's number one inbound marketing agency exclusively focused on helping the recruitment industry. Myself and my business partner started the business in 2017, having been recruiters for seven years before. We felt that the recruitment industry back then needed to change and that marketing was going to play a huge role in the way that new and existing recruitment organizations won business and stood out in such a crowded marketplace. In three years, We've now worked with over 200 organizations around the world. We reach a huge audience with both this podcast and content online. And we have over 55 recruitment agencies right now. We're managing the marketing force. That involves strategy, content creation, distribution, systems process, and leads generated. Having been recruiters and marketeers, we can not only build your brand, but we're also able to connect it to your sales team and ensure that leads are generated as a result of marketing. There's a clear ROI that leads to sales activity. But we also understand recruitment businesses. That's small businesses, medium-sized businesses, large businesses in all sectors. We understand you, we've done the job, and we can build campaigns that are super relevant to what you need as a business right now. We've also recently launched the Hoxo Academy, which is designed to help recruitment owners, recruiters and marketeers learn from the work that we do so that you can action some of this stuff in-house on your own. The Academy has been launched in May 2020 and has already had an amazing uh, response from the market and it's only going to grow one way. So if you're interested in either having Hoxo support, you build your marketing as a, as a supplier that acts as part of your team or you want to be trained by us on how to do it yourself, then get in touch. Visit www.hoxomedia.com and register your interest on our homepage. We will then get back to you within 24 hours and arrange uh, an introductory call. Thanks again for listening to this show. Every single one of you means so much and we will see you again soon.